Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation. To the end that every man, woman, and child has the opportunity to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere, every day. We believe this is going to require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is unified in their region, working together around five key initiatives that we see the Apostle Paul working out in Acts 13 and 14, which is citywide prayer. And that's not just at a corporate level, but personally, really engaging in a real walk with the Lord. Uh, leader health, disciple making, serving their city together and starting new churches and kingdom initiatives. And presently, because we're in the season of Lent, we're spending more time on the initiative of, of prayer. And more specifically, we're going to interact with a good friend of mine, Aaron Nequist, who not only is trafficking in the particular topic we're talking about, but I know cares a lot about the health of leaders as well. So I'm eager to interact with him. He is a gift to the church. Uh, we got to serve together years ago, and that was a, a good and bad. We all went through the journey of us growing <laughs> up, and we're still working through that, I think. But man, to be here with you right now, Aaron, and the things you've walked through and the gift that you've been to the church, it's just an honor to have mm. you. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks so much, Jeff. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I mean, you yeah. were first bosses. <laughs> and I was a young punk, idealistic um totally self-consumed. I mean, I can't imagine being my boss when I was 23. So, Well, I wasn't that old either. I mean, yeah, that's true. I, I wish I could be, be your boss now because I think yeah, I would have done a far better job yeah. of caring for you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron, tell us a little bit more about yourself for people who might not know who you are as well yeah. as what you're doing right now. Sure. Yeah. Well, in terms of this conversation, especially, um, I've been uh, a worship leader for a lot of years. Serving on your staff uh, was my <laughs> was my first role, uh, leading the high school ministry at Willow Creek, and yeah. then um, moved out to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to be a part of Mars Hill Church. Different Mars Hill than yes. in the Seattle area, but the Rob Bell Mars Hill, and was worship leader there for a number of years. One of the most um, exciting and tumultuous and all the things, uh, seasons of my life. But a lot happened there as a worship leader that maybe we can talk about at some point. And then came back to Willow Creek to be a worship leader, um, tried to bring a lot of the things that we had learned at Willow um, into the main services, didn't go very well. Um, but the most beautiful thing is they launched us to create a Sunday night practice-based, uh, Eucharist-centric um, contemplative uh, service called The Practice. And that was life-changing. And so maybe a lot of what we're going to talk about yeah. today came out of that season. We said every Sunday, I, 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 I uh, did the intro the same way. Welcome to The Practice. We are a community that doesn't want to just believe things about Jesus, but wants to learn how to rearrange our lives in order to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. And that was like mm. the thing. And then we tried to do it. So it didn't always work, but on moments where we were able to get out of the way, um, oh, so beautiful. So oh, yeah, that's man. maybe a little, oh, right now, uh, live in New York City. Uh, we moved here about four years ago for me to go to seminary 
at uh, General Theological Seminary. I'm not Episcopalian, but it's an Episcopalian seminary. Love the experience. And now I uh, lead worship across the street at St. Peter's Episcopal Church. So, yeah, wow. that's kind of what... Talk about the a breadth version. of experience, man. Just think about even knowing where you yeah. came from even before... Like yeah. before college and grew all up that. very very conservative Plymouth Brethren um, uh, fundamentalism in a lot of ways. Some of it was so beautiful. Some I've had a just gently let let go of. But um, yeah. yeah, a lot of different experiences. A um, lot of goodness along the way. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. I really do want to talk about the the moving from just a beliefs base to a practice base. Yeah. Uh, expression. I know um, even even the book you wrote, uh, which love you. I want to make sure people know about it. You oh, know, yeah. like I'd love yeah. for you to talk about that a little bit too, because I know that came yeah. out of some of the Definitely. the journey that you've been on. But tell us a little bit more about that. What that was like. What you did. What were some of the yeah. the themes that you you know ran with in in your experimentation days at Willow oh, when you were so working out the practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you brought up the book, it's called the eternal current. And that is the, that's probably the theme of the whole practice experiment. And what we would just say is there's this great river flowing throughout human history toward the restoration and redemption of all things. Um, Jesus called it the kingdom of God, very NT right. You know, God is bringing this great. Um, but yeah. then I w- we would also always stop and say, but Jesus didn't just say, believe about the river. Jesus said, join me in the river. Yeah, Let me yeah. teach you how to swim. You know, we used to say, Jesus didn't just say, here is some truth, believe it. Jesus said, I am the truth, follow me. And so that was our, that was our, 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 um, challenge, invitation. I mean, it would be like, the, the other way would be like saying, um, I'm going to join a runner's club. And what we do is we get together once a week to read books about running. <laughs> you know, but that's been so much of my church experience, you know, a place where we come to hear information about this uh, life-changing idea. Is that, it's a life-changing idea or is it an invitation? to join with the creator. So all that to say, so we said, all right, well, we know that Jesus said, um, love your enemies. How do we do it? We know Jesus said, forgive as you have been forgiven. It's not enough to just believe that's true. (laughs) We need to learn how to do it, to flesh it into our bodies. And so that was a lot of the challenge of that season. And then honestly, Jeff, I think that has launched me into the rest of my life's work. Um, Mm. And it looks real different. We're doing different things. But that idea to move from believing some ideas to embodying this invitation, I think is the center of the center. Well, one of the things I love you said there is like, we're not going to talk about the river. We're going to actually get in the river, you know? And it's interesting, Jesus... Jesus says in John 17, this is eternal life that they would know you. And we know that doesn't mean that's not knowledge right. gnosis. That's like true interactive reality yeah. with the real being that they would know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. And then later in that prayer, he says, Father, as I am in you and you are in me, may they be in us. Yeah. May they be one. And I, this, you know, one of the themes that we talk about is how do we be, how do we live out this oneness? Well, oneness is an idea. Yeah. It's a reality, but yeah. you don't experience the reality unless you're actually in. That's right. 
yep. you know, yep. in him as he is, as the father and the son were in, we are, yes. get to, we get to be in. And yeah. so I just love, even how you think about the practices that you guys engaged in, I know it wasn't just, let's interact with an idea, but let's interact with the very creator. What were yes. some of those practices? How did you help people oh, step yeah. into that real space of being in the room? Yeah, great question. Um, so the way we we structured the, that gathering is we'd have like an opening liturgy, prayer, scripture, you know, a, a where we pray for the world, where we, you know, that kind of thing. And then the middle section was a teaching that led to a practice. And this was the hard part. The teacher got 12 to 15 minutes Yes. Max. And then there was like a <laughs> hook, you know? <laughs> and then, but the intention was you don't teach to the end goal of people saying, oh, I believe that. You teach to the end goal of people saying, all right, let me join you now in this practice. So then the, mm -hmm. the teaching always was followed by 15 to 20 minutes of, of practice. So, you know, if one, one night we were talking about centering prayer, um, the teacher, uh, Felina Heritz came and, and, and taught us on that. And she talked about the history of it. And then, um, you know, Father Keating bringing the Christian tradition of it. And then at a certain point she said, all right, place both feet on the floor. And she led us into centering prayer. And that has just, that has just lit something up in me, especially now when I'm a, a part of a, a, a gathering where we talk about this really beautiful thing and then say, all right, see you next week, you know? <laughs> and so, and then the practice would always lead to the table. And so we would gather around the table, gather around Christ's presence and then be sent out into the world. And it was, it was just a really moving experience. Oh, so man. another um, really important practice to us, uh, we started with Lectio Divina. And some of that was in an evangelical context, like, let's start with the text. Like, that's what we already are united around. So let's, you know, do a contemplative gather, uh, engagement of the text. But another big one was the examine. I mentioned that before we started. Yeah, and yeah. Um, my spiritual director is a Jesuit priest. And so he was teaching me this practice. I hadn't, I'd never practiced it. Uh, just a simple way to look back and notice God's fingerprints over your, over your day, over your life. And at a certain point I said, you would never come to Willow Creek and teach us the, the, the examine, would you? And he goes, I'd love to. And so he showed up that night and I remember he walked in with his collar and the, you know, and I thought, well, it's my last day on staff, <laughs> <You know? It's laughs> like but it was so beautiful. And you could just see, you know, all these sisters and brothers who are saying, Hey, we're all part of the same thing, but we've never heard this practice. And we've never heard this way of looking at, you know, God's universe and engagement with the spirit. And so some of that then spun us into what else don't we know? <laughs> you know we've been stuck, not stuck. We've chosen to be in our silo. Um, and maybe silo is, is too pejorative, but just our kind of corner of the story, um, which is beautiful and not the whole story. Yeah, yeah. And so we just said, who else can we learn from? And so we really went on to uh, learn as much as we can. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So just because there might be listeners who don't even know what you just said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. like what's, what's Lectio Divina? What's oh, yeah, Examine? Yeah, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, just yeah. describe some of those because uh, yeah. these are things that people could right after they listen to this, they could begin to engage yeah. it. Yeah. Lectio Divina, it, you know, is Latin. It's for, it means divine reading. 
And I'm imagining many who don't even know that phrase already engage the, the, the text in this way. Um, there are really uh, cerebral ways to analytical ways to engage the Bible. And those are important. We need to study it. We need better hermeneutics, not worse, you know. Yeah, yeah. But contempl- the contemplative way is to come to the text and read it and say, God, would you speak to me? Not through my brain and like figuring out what the, in the Greek, that you know, but, yeah. but to open that space and let the Spirit speak. And that has been really moving. So usually you take a smaller um, chunk of scripture and you read it three times slowly. And you just open yourself up. You know, I, I often say when I'm leading it is the same God who inspired the writers to write this is still speaking today. Yes. And so why wouldn't the Spirit want to speak through what the Spirit's already inspired, you know? So yeah, that that's one practice that was really meaningful. Can I tell a story about a more concrete practice maybe? Please do, yes. This one is not in Latin, but um, so 2016, I don't know if you remember, but there was an election. You remember that little thing? Oh, yeah. Just a Um, small blip on the radar of the human history. (laughs) Gosh. And we were meeting, and remember that fall. It was just getting so nasty and divided. And and we were trying to, you know, our team, we're trying to discern how do we help our community to not just get caught up in the either or, in the nastiness. How do we embody Jesus' teachings, even in a season like this. And so we had an idea. Our liturgy always has a confession, silence, and then words of assurance. So we always had a moment where we would confess our sins and then be reminded as far as the East is from the West. We said, what Mm -hmm. if for the next 52 Sundays, what if we did confession, silence, assurance, and a prayer for one of our enemies? Wow. And we just said, we're going to do it 52 times this year. And, um, and the way I introduced it is I said, all right, raise your hand if you believe that Jesus told us to pray for and bless our enemies. And of course, every hand went up. I said, keep your hand up if you do that. And we all put our hand down, myself mm-hmm. included. We don't pray for our enemies. Not really. Not intentionally. Um, at least our community wasn't in that habit. And so we just said, next 52 Sundays, we're not just going to believe that Jesus said that, we're going to put that teaching into practice. And so, you know, one week we do like a global enemy, you know, think if we were doing it today, we'd think of someone like Putin, you know, and that's a hard, that is a hard prayer. I mean, it's hard to know what to do. Um, Some Sundays I would just say, is there someone in your life who's become like an enemy? And do we want to spend some time praying God's blessing on them? And then the couple weeks before the election, we put up on the screen a picture of Hillary Clinton's face and Donald Trump's face. And we said, don't pray for the one you're leaning toward. Yeah. Pray for the other one. Mm. And not like that God would smite them, you know, right, and not even right. that God would change them. That God, like, pray for their marriage. Yeah. Pray for their kids. Like they are made in God's image, both of them. That's right. And um, so like pray for their belovedness. And it was, it was kind of terrible. Like we all hated it. We were all like, and then we said, okay, let's do it again next Sunday. Let's do it again. Wow. And it was that idea of the idea of praying for an enemy is one level 
of engagement, but it's, it's only when you start practicing it. And so um, that was a really transformational. I mean, we did that 52 times. And wow. so, yeah, I hope it really, I think, no, I know it did something in us that we couldn't have done to ourselves. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah I mean, you can't do that practice without it changing you. Yeah, right. Because you start to realize, well, man, Donald Trump is made in God's image. Hillary Clinton made in God's image. That's right. Me made in God's image. All right. He lets me down. She lets me down. I let me down. Like suddenly it doesn't change the disagreements. It doesn't make both candidates equal. It doesn't like, it doesn't do that mushy both end yeah. weirdness, but it puts us all in the same family. Like, yeah, it humanizes we're, us. We're all humans yeah. made in God's image. Yes. And um, so that's a, yeah. Anyways. Oh man, yeah. that's powerful. You know, it's interesting. I was just speaking at a pretty large conference and we were talking about, you know, that most of what we call equipping is actually just informing. I know. All we're doing is just telling yes. people ideas, yes. uh, but it's not transforming their, yeah. their very being. Yeah. And we were talking about what does it take to truly equip? And, you know, some, a lot of it was around actual practice. Like you've got experience, you've got to practice, yeah. and you got to take time to reflect on what you just experienced yeah. and talk about what yes. happened inside of you or what you're struggling with. And, one of the leaders said, well, how do you make time for that? And I said, well, yeah, you think about your Sunday gathering. Like, does it yeah. have space for that? Yeah, that's right. And one of the guys said, well, what would we get rid of? I said, well, maybe you don't preach for 30 or 40 minutes. Maybe you just <laughs> speak for 15 or 20. You know? yes. And they yes. were, it was almost like a quiet hush. Like, can we do that? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we violated yeah. some code. And yet that, I think what you just said, you guys created space. You had 10 sure. to 12 minutes or so. Sure. And then you practice the very thing you said yeah. we were going to do, which is way and more transformative than just talking it about really it. It really is. And what I love about it is when people go home, they now have a new tool. That's right. Um, one of my experiences where this whole, this whole thing started was when I was at Mars Hill and Rob Bell's preaching at that time, it was kingdom of God. It was this vast, it was totally transformational. Until it wasn't, because I realized I have no idea what to do with this. Mm. So my big question was, I wonder what Rob's going to do next Sunday. Well, huh. that can't be the best we can offer people. Hey, I wonder what our, what our star is going to do next week. But if you learn a practice, you do it Tuesday right. afternoon. And you do it, it Wednesday night when you're putting your kids to bed. And like, suddenly you have this resource now. I had the same right. thing from a music and worship thing happen at Willow one Sunday. I was driving home and we had done this amazing, it was music uh, synced with this orchestra piece with a drama thing. I mean, it was just all the best that you can do. Except as I was driving home, I thought, is it possible that one of the things we're teaching our people is you can't do it without us? <laughs> so come back next Sunday. We'll do another amazing <laughs> That's thing. That's right. We've so professionalized the Christian faith that only Absolutely. the professionals can do it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Unless yeah. you have an $80 million auditorium, you can't do this. <laughs> come back next week. And I remember thinking like, what a loss for oh. everyone. Everybody loses in that situation. But, you know, we had talked about Lectio Divina. Um, if you learn Lectio Divina, you can, you can open yourself up to God's voice through the scriptures 
anywhere, anytime. You don't even need a Jumbotron. <laughs> so there's something so, so compelling about it's that. It's so beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned examine. I want you to talk a little bit yeah. about that too, because that's another practice people could engage in on Absolutely. a daily basis. Absolutely. That has been the number one. If you asked me, if you said, Aaron, just talk about one practice. The examine is a, uh, was created 500 years ago, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And it's a 15 minute daily way to look back and notice God's fingerprints in your lives. And the insight is, I think, pretty universal. We all have these experiences and then we're like, wow, that was great or that was terrible. All right, move on. Next experience, next thing. And we rarely look back and say, what was going on inside me during that conversation with my kid? Like something was happening. God, what was going on? And then we just spend some time. The examine helps us notice, which is important, but then also to hold that experience in God's presence. And some of it that I think connects with the work you're doing right now is it really honors our emotions. Yeah. And I think St. Ignatius said, um, we can very often trick ourselves into thinking the right things. We know the answer. We know how we should think about things. But if we look back and say, man, yesterday at work, when my coworker said that thing that they always say, and I almost threw him out the third story window, what what was going on inside me? And what is that? Was I insecure? Was I entitled and they were infringing on that? What, like what was going on inside me and let God speak through what was going on in my emotions? Oh, it's just been a, such a helpful practice. So, yeah. So thank you. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, that's been one of the biggest breakthroughs for me in the last couple of years is to sit back and go like, okay, when I did that, what was I feeling? Yeah, that's right. You know, yep. and because it's, I mean, it's remarkable when you actually tell the truth about what's actually yes. going inside of you. Yes. How, what, what is that? What does it look like very practically? Like, do you, do you stop yeah, and ask easy. questions? Five, yeah. Five steps. Okay. Great. Step one, you invite the Holy Spirit to lead which I love that it begins there. It's not a self-evaluation tool. Love it. Yep. It's prayer. Yeah. So, I mean, this is perfect for our conversation today. Yes. We begin by saying, God, would you guide my memory as I look back? Step two, we look back over the day in gratitude. And so if I do it at the end of the day, I do it on that day. If I do it in the morning, I do it on the previous day. But the insight here is whatever you begin with, you place at the center and so when you, if you begin with, hey, my boss is an idiot, you know, you're putting your boss at the center of the universe. Yeah. He or she does mm -hmm. not deserve to be there. That's why we begin with gratitude. Well, before um, you move forward, that's really, really important. What we, we begin with becomes the center. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So profound. Absolutely. My spiritual yeah. director says, that's why every prayer we ever pray together is going to begin with gratitude. Because oh, you know what's most so true about the universe? That God is at the center of it. Yes. That there's enough abundance, oh, grace. Man. You know, oh, it's so good. And That's for incredible. a melancholy Enneagram <laughs> 4 artist person, I mean, that is, first of all, I hated it. I was like, I'm not doing that <laughs> rainbow stuff. And then it started to change my life. Because mm. when you begin with what's right, then you start seeing it. And yeah. suddenly I can be a part of things that are, I mean, everything we're a part of is broken. Everything, including our own inner lives, right? Yeah. And 
every part of it is shot through with the goodness and, and grace of God. And so Man. this whole idea that we have to pick and choose, that it's either, it's either beautiful or it's terrible. They're for us or against us. They're, you know, it's both. It's always both. Yeah. And so yeah. That, that step two really helps us. So, so like if I started today, I'd look back at this morning, Shauna let me sleep in this morning. <laughs> so I would begin and just say, oh, I was so grateful for a few extra moments of sleep. And then I got up. The coffee was already made. That's usually my job to make the coffee, but the coffee was made in that first. So just begin remembering yeah. and then noticing and then just kind of go through the day. And what was I thinking about at the fitness center? Was, you know, what was I? And you, you start to realize, first of all, God is always working. God is yeah. always, that's probably the the I'm jumping around now a lot. It's okay. It's um, okay. It's so good. <laughs> one of the things that I love so much about practices is they acknowledge that God has already been doing everything. Yeah. The practice is simply the thing that helps us stop and notice, right? I used to, as a worship leader, I used to always start the worship set by inviting God, please join us here today as if God is somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> like God, God's out in the parking lot waiting for God's favorite song. I mean, it's just how we conceive of the universe is wild. And I think oh, practices help us know God's always been here. I mean, it is in God we live, move, breathe, and have our being. And God is always at work in our lives. It's just us who rarely stop to notice. Mm -hmm. And so practices, I don't think practices convince God to do anything. But I think they open us up to what God's been doing all along. So and so the examine, we move on. The, the third step is we begin to notice the emotions that surface. Hmm. So we invite the spirit to lead. We look back over our day in gratitude. And then we hmm. just begin to notice the emotions. And what I love about it is we don't name them as good or bad. We just, we're curious. I love curious. it. Because sometimes anger is totally destructive. And sometimes it's the most godly response you could possibly have. And so when we're curious, we're able to just be with that anger and let it kind of teach us. Step four, we choose one of those emotions and we spend some time praying about it. And maybe it's a beautiful emotion we want to just soak in a little bit. Maybe it's that emotion we've been trying to avoid for a long time. <laughs> and my spiritual director would say, remember, prayer is dialogue. It's not monologue. Yes. So say if for step four, you take five minutes, maybe two or three minutes are telling God why you feel that way. And then one or two minutes are just listening, creating space. And in my experience, sometimes it's just like crickets. And I just sit there and I don't know. So other times I get this strong sense that God is leaning in and that I, God's not a vending machine, right? We don't like, but we create space. And then step five is uh, we look forward to tomorrow and hope. Mm -hmm. What is it that we've noticed in this examine from yesterday that we really want to hold on to, that we want to pour gas on, that we want to, you know, bring into tomorrow? And then what did we notice in this examine that we're ready to let go of finally? Or maybe we can't today, but we're going to get a little closer tomorrow. And at we, you know, if you do an examine every day, you begin to see the patterns, which can be painful. Oh, that again, that again. Okay, God, 
Step five, would you help me let it go? And um, so again, the word life-changing is can be such a cliche and this has been a life-changing practice. Mm. So, yeah. You know what, what I love about all of it is that so often you said it like our prayer life and even our devotional life is monologue. It's yeah. Yeah. It's just me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is creating space for us. Yeah. You know? that's right. And that's John, right. Jesus says in John five, like I can do nothing hmm. apart from the father. I only yeah. do what I see the father doing. You just see this. Yeah. amazing attentiveness yeah. between father and son that we, yeah. we miss out on when we don't yeah. make the space. He's already there. You said it. Yeah, and that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Mm. Mm. Well, one of the things I know that you've been doing is creating spaces for spiritual leaders, uh, yeah. guides, others to come and yeah. get the care they need. I mean, we've gone through yeah. the last couple of years a very revealing oh, time. I mean, yes. man, we have come to the end of ourselves in many cases. And I know you're creating spaces for for leaders to get away and reflect. Yeah. Would you tell us a little bit more about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, it just came out of, and again, I'm sure you're having all these same conversations too. I'd back to, I had a coffee and a meal back to back with a priest friend and with a pastor friend. And both said, post-COVID, I am so burnt out. If, if it wasn't my job, I wouldn't go back to church. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Like just that deep yep. exhaustion and disillusionment. And honestly, I feel it too. I mean, the, the <laughs> I've been saying for a while, I feel like the American church is burning down. Mm. And um, I don't think we can or maybe even should stop it. But what is going to be reborn through all that loss? Because the way of Jesus isn't burning down. That's right. I mean, that's right. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Like that's the way. But this container we've built around it, that, that honestly often is the opposite of all the Beatitudes. I know. <laughs> I did a reflection once at a church I was a part of. that I was like, if I go Beatitude by Beatitude, we almost embody the opposite of all nine. How wow. can that be the, how can we call that the way of Jesus? So anyways, so we're in this place where um, so many of my friends, whether they're clergy officially or volunteers serving are just like, I haven't given up on Jesus, but I can't find my way in this kind of container. And so we said, we're going to start doing these retreats. And we're very careful, not a conference, yeah. a retreat, not a place where you're going to hear 27 sermons on why you should anything. Not that sermons are bad. I give sermons sometimes. Sometimes they're really important, but we're going to create holy space um, to do three things. First, to rest and begin to heal. And so we do a lot of uh, spiritual practices together. We reflect on these space. We pray the hours and um, it's just this really holy space. Number two, solidarity to meet others and realize you're not crazy. Yeah, you know? you're not alone in this. Yeah. I had a friend say recently, what are we going to do about pastor's loneliness? Oh my goodness. And it's the same uh, across the board, priests. And those in that, especially when they get in kind of a number one seat over some sort of structure, are often the loneliest people we know. They're not oh. bad people. 
They just get really isolated. How are we going to help them reconnect with each other? So that's the number two. And then number three is just reimagination. Um, We said real early, we don't want people to start to heal up and then go back to what hasn't worked for a long time, right? What are the new tools? What are the new ways to imagine it? And so, yeah, we call it Pastors, Priests, and Guides. Um, If anyone's curious to join us, that's the website, Pastors, Priests, and Guides. And we just did one in Houston in January, which January is a good time to be in Houston. Um, we have one coming up here in, in uh, New York City in Manhattan, uh, here at General uh, Seminary, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Right. And then we're going to be actually with my spiritual director um, in Barrington in the Chicago area uh, at the end of August. And uh, my spiritual director, Father Michael, and Ruth Haley Barton, she's another one of the teachers who's going to be with us. And yeah, she's amazing. Incredible. And so, (laughs) and maybe I'd say one more thing about that. Um, One of the, you know, the main heartbeat is it's a retreat, not a conference. So we're going to practice together. One of our favorite practices is the second night, especially here in Manhattan. We call it a night of practicing the spiritual discipline of delight. And we help everybody find a restaurant in Manhattan or book their tickets at a Broadway show or go to that little jazz club down the road. And then we send everyone out in the city to have these experiences. We had a whole group go with one of our priests to Koreatown for karaoke. And that was their (laughs) delight night. And they came back. And then the next morning we do an examine and we say, what happened? What did you do? Where did you find delight? What was the best bite of food you had that day? What was the funniest song that someone sang at karaoke? So, but so the, the central thing is it's a retreat, not a practice. But the other thing is, I keep using this word ecumenical, which basically, if you don't know that, that word just means the whole body of Christ. And so not just one specific tradition, but we have priests speaking into this. We have uh, w- one of my favorite people who spoke last time is Reverend Christine Lee. And she is an Episcopal priest who grew up in Pentecostal charismatic circles. So she's <laughs> all about the spirit and she's a part of, the, of this tradition. And so we're trying to really bring together those who follow Christ in slightly different ways. And we all kind of learn together. And so, um, yeah. So I'd invite anybody who would want to join us. We still have some room actually for the next two. Would they go to that site to do it? Yeah. All the information, pastors, priests, and guides.com um, is on the site. You can sign up. You can send us messages. Uh, we can answer any questions. But I, I mentioned to you before we started, we the, the one we did last year here in Manhattan was probably the most meaningful thing I've got to be a part of all year. And there's just something about bringing our desperation and our openness together. God, would you, would you heal us? God, oh, would you give us the strength to go back and serve these people who we really love? I, I don't know any pastors or priests who don't love their community, but, you know, it, it can really beat you up. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, we're trying to hold, hold those spaces together. And man, wouldn't it wouldn't it be beautiful if this became the norm for the church, not just oh, its leaders, yes. but everyone? That's right. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. 
Well, Aaron, let me ask this last question. If there's anything you would want to say yeah. before we end, just to encourage or exhort any of our listeners, what would it, what, yeah. what's on your heart right now? I mean, I, I might even go back and just kind of re-say what, what we were talking about a little bit. God is already with you. Um, or maybe better said, you are already with God. It is in God. We live, move, and have our being. We cannot not be in God's presence. But you better believe we avoid it and ignore it. And I live with my eyes intentionally closed so much of the day. And I think the invitation, you know, when I hear you talking about prayer at the center, I think way less about when do I fold my hands and do the perfunctory time of prayer, although I do that. Uh, and I think that's an important part of it, but it's way more. What are the practices, rhythms, um, almost containers that I can do that help me keep my eyes open? Hmm. God, what are you doing today and how do I join it? Yeah. And um, so much of prayer. I had a friend say once, um, he does centering prayer, but he hates centering prayer. And he never experiences anything good during centering prayer. But he says, but when I'm in the rhythm of doing centering prayer, the entire rest of my day looks different. <laughs> and I'm able to stay in places of tension. I'm able to respond, not just react. And suddenly like, you know, back to the river analogy, we're getting swept up into this thing that's so much bigger than us, but we're actually learning how to notice it. You know, wow, the current's flowing over there. Maybe I'll <laughs> let myself get swept in that direction and see what happens. Mm, so, so good. Practices don't cause God to do anything, but they place us in the reality of what God's been doing all along. So. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, it's so good to talk to you. Yeah, I feel like I hey. want to have another session. With you. <laughs> There's so much more to talk about. I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but can I have three minutes to end on a story about you? Can I tell a story about you? Sure, you, it's a you good may. One. It's a good one. I wouldn't end with a bad story. So I'm like in a year and a half into my first job after college. And you come to lead the staff. And it wasn't because you came, but my faith started falling apart. And it was my job to lead songs that I didn't even know if I believed anymore. And as I've taught, I, I haven't met a single minister who has not had a season like that. But many of them that I talk to, as soon as they admit it, they're unemployed. And um, I've had a lot of those conversations. And I'll never forget, Jeff, I came into your office and we had a whole worship night planned. I'm the worship leader. I, I, I should probably do that. And I said, Jeff, I don't know if I even believe all this stuff. I don't know how to do this. And you said, listen, I play guitar. I would love to step in for you. And it was like saying, what I heard is, I believe in you, Aaron. Mm -hmm. You're not losing, you're not losing your faith. Mm -hmm. You actually might be finding faith mm -hmm. in a new way. But you as my boss, like you should have, you could have been like, what's wrong with you? Don't tell anybody. 
get out there and lead those songs, you said, let me, let me take it for you. You take this one off. And I, I will never, I will mm. never forget that moment because of what it communicated in that really tender, mm. tumultuous moment. So to end with my favorite Jeff, oh, <laughs> Jeff Vanderstelt story. Very what a sweet. blessing. Yeah. Uh, I've told that story to a lot of my friends who have been going through faith implosion moments like mm. I did. And mm. um, yeah, it's very meaningful. Wow. Well, yeah, thank so you for thank sharing you. that. The church yeah, ought to be the safest place for us to be yeah, honest about our struggles. I sure wish that was true. Oh. Where else yeah. are we going to go? I know. Right. <laughs> and um, who has not had those doubts? Yes. Every one that, of us. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think if, you know, if you were insecure about your own thing, mm-hmm. you would be like, oh, don't, no, Christians can't have doubt. You know, suddenly it's, but you were like, yeah. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> well, so, and to throw it, throw yeah. it back at you, I was so thankful that someone showed up. That's one thing mm. I've always appreciated about you is that you yeah. you have the integrity to not pretend mm. uh, that you're yeah. somewhere you're not. And yeah, I learned a lot from you in that moment as well. Mm. So thank you, yeah. thank you, yeah. man. So good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Well, thanks for joining us for the Saturate podcast. I hope you are inspired and encouraged as well as receive some ideas of how you could take some next steps in the work God's called you to do in your own context. I want to let you know of another way that you might be able to receive some ongoing encouragement and equipping. You could visit saturatetheworld.com where we have a lot of our resources, our training, PDFs, videos, audio, a whole bunch of stuff to serve you in your journey towards being a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples in the everyday stuff of life. Now, we're going to provide a code for you to use if you'd like to try a two-week free membership to our subscription-based services. That code, if you'd like to use it, is podcast 2023. That's one word, all lowercase, podcast 2023. And we'd love to just invite you to check out what we have online so that you can see if it's something that might serve you and maybe serve the people that you also lead or work with as you consider what it would take for you to get more and more equipping. It's our desire to make this available to as many people as possible. And so everybody who eventually pays for a monthly subscription makes it available for free for people who can't afford it. We've had the honor of being able to give almost 500 free subscriptions away this last year, and we're hoping to give even more to those around the world who can't afford the membership. But if you can, we'd love for you to consider it. Try it for free for a couple weeks, see if it serves you well. And if so, love for you to continue on and be a Saturate member. Second, I want to invite you to consider being a Saturate partner. And that's someone who's committed to pray and or also give to support the work of gospel saturation. What we do is completely based on fundraising and the money that comes in through the subscription and some of the products we're able to sell. But the majority of our work is funded by people like you who just believe in the work and wanna see more of it done. So if you wanna pray with us and join us in praying for gospel saturation, send us an email at hello at saturatetheworld.com. Let us know you want to be a prayer partner and we'll begin to send you updates so you know how to pray specifically. And if you want to give, just go to saturatetheworld.com, click on the give button, and you'll see all the instructions there to help you take a step towards supporting the work as a Saturate partner. Again, thank you so much for listening in and I can't wait till you hear the next one. I hope we continue to encourage you with the work of gospel saturation in North America and around the world.